What up? It's a Thursday, and that means Riled Up on the Cowboys, brought to you by SB Nation, a part of the Blog and the Boys Network. And it's my man, Tom Ryle, alongside myself, Roy White. If you want to hit him up on social media, follow the man at Tom Ryle BTB. And of course, you can get me at RW3 with all of the latest Cowboys news going on. And boy, we actually got some Cowboys news in the last 24 hours. Not one, but two signings coming to training camp. And guess what, Tom? We are going to have ourselves a punter competition. How excited are you about that? Oh, man. I just know what I'll be focused on all camp. Not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, brought in. uh, It's Brian Anger, right? Brian Anger, uh, formerly of the Houston Texans, spent time with three different teams. Um, Really kind of, I guess, his claim to fame as a 32-year-old was the fact that the Jaguars originally drafted him in the third round in 2012. So at one point had a pretty big, I guess, pedigree or maybe a a bad drafting team decided to make a terrible decision and that hung around his neck like an albatross. Either way, um, career net yard average of 46.2 yards per punt. So – you know, that is an improvement on what the Cowboys had in Chris Jones a season ago. And, and it does bring in one more body that uh, can compete with Niswander here in camp. And uh, he may be challenging Jalen for trying to go after the number nine to wear, too, because that's his old number from the Texans. Well, we'll get to that uh, later on in the pod, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is certainly a topic that Cowboys fans are hot on, and we will get to it. But – You know, the idea, you you jokingly said it, but we all know how it's going to go, right? When two kickers are involved in competing in Cowboys training camp, we get a daily dosage of field goal percentages, distances, and made kicks, right? And and even more so than that, a lot of times it's very descriptive. Five of those kicks were right down the middle. Two of those off to the left, two of those off to the right, (laughs) even though they're inside the goalpost. I, ex- I fully expect the same type of scrutiny to the punting game, and maybe they'll put a little bit more focus on it in training camp. Not saying that I'm excited about it by any means, right? But it will be something that will at least keep us entertained, I think, as training camp ro- runs along. Yeah, and it's, it's good insurance in case uh, Niswander was just a flash in the pan. He didn't have, you know, much to go on. So this way they've got a seasoned veteran plus a young kid, and they can let it run through camp and see who they want to keep. Absolutely. One we will keep an eye on, and, of course, Blogging the Boys will have the latest on that battle all training camp long. You tune it right here, you'll get all the latest news. Uh, in addition to that, though, the Cowboys announced a second signing – Perhaps Mm -hmm. a smokescreen to keep teams (laughs) from sniffing around the fact that they may be interested in Kyle Pitts. We'll get to that here in a second, too. But um, a guy by the name of Sprinkle, Jeremy Sprinkle, a tight end of the Washington Redskins, who in his four seasons in Washington has just 34 catches for 301 career yards. Although – He did start 13 games back in 2019 when they had no tight end to speak of. Last year, he was their second in command behind Logan Thomas, who had a pretty nice year for them. Yeah, he's obviously the the Blake Bell replacement. Uh, He's a good blocker, 
And uh, I think they wanted to make sure they had somebody if they wanted to have that role filled. Uh, and like I, like I was saying, this is just filling out the roster, getting ready for the draft and for a training camp. You know, you've got to have 80 or 90 players. I'm, I'm not sure how many they're going to actually roll with. I'm assuming they'll go back to the 90-man roster this year. So they've got some holes to fill. And this way they've got some people that aren't just camp bodies, but that can actually contend for a role on the roster. So, you know, this is just kind of getting set up for that. And I, we may see some more little signings like this along the way. Do Cowboys fans have a right to be disappointed then of hearing that, yes, they are making signings, but they're addressing their punter competition for training camp and they're addressing their third, maybe fourth tight end position when, yes, they need mm -hmm. to fill out spaces on the roster, but you could just as easily fill those out with a guy like K.J. Wright who reportedly the Cowboys may be far enough apart on that they are no longer pursuing that option mm -hmm. or fill it out with a guy like we mentioned last week and Richard Sherman. Well, maybe they're just getting the easy ones done now. You know, I, I don't know what the plan is. Um, you'd think they'd want to get uh, some, some help at linebacker like they could have gotten with Wright. Um, but maybe that is uh, what they're really looking at doing with Keanu Neal and actually getting really serious about that hybrid thing to help flesh out the linebacker staff. I still would like to have seen them make that move. Um, it, you know, I, I don't know if it's dead, dead or not. Um, but you know, there's still some other people out there and I, I doubt that we're done with seeing the free agent signings come in. I just, you know, right now I'm, speculation is just, just that we'll just have to see how it develops. And I, I figure we're probably going to see a few more bodies show up and maybe somebody a little bit more exciting than what we got today, but that remains to be seen. Uh, we've still got a few weeks to go, and they could wait and see what they get in the draft and then go back into the free agent market as well. Well, I think that's what Cowboys fans kind of need to keep an eye on. Right now, it's so full focus towards the draft and full mm -hmm. steam ahead. Um, there's still a lot of guys to do research on, right, to, to do work on, to get more film on if you can, since you may not have gotten film on them here in this past season. Um, there's a lot of dots, you know, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed between now and then. And yes, I, like you can imagine a flurry of free agency action kind of kicking up again after the mm -hmm. draft gets done, because at that point teams will know, Oh, well, we missed out on addressing this position. Here's what we need. Whereas right now you could really play the game of, well, Hey, we may be able to fill all of those spots by the time the draft rolls around and once the draft is over, maybe that's not so much the case. So I am in agreement with you. Uh, I think if there is a big Cowboys signing to be made, it's more than likely, based on what they're doing, it's more than likely coming after the NFL draft. But speaking of potential moves, there was one that was put, it, put out there by a national media member that at least we have to address. And we talked about it on, on this podcast here in the past. That is Jerry Jones's infatuation with Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end, who Chris Mortensen said on ESPN's official draft show that Jerry was so infatuated with him 
that Mort said he would be willing to give up several of his former Hall of Famers and the likes of Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and maybe throw in Michael Irvin to move up and be able to take Pitts. Now, we all know, obviously, Mort saying that tongue-in-cheek. Jerry doesn't Mm -hmm. obviously really think that he can do that. And most Cowboys fans, I don't think, would want to see that happen, but it was discussed on another podcast, Talking the Draft, here on the Blogging the Boys Network. The guys – you know, had a brief discussion about if the Cowboys were to trade up, who might make it worth their time? Is there any way in your mind, Tom, that Kyle Pitts could be worth a trade up from the Cowboys perspective, even if it meant, you know, maybe three to four spots? Because I think at this point, one through three is set, at least to the extent that we know what position it will be, quarterback. After that, I suppose it could be a little bit of an open book, but there are several teams between the Cowboys and that number three spot that could very well be interested in a tight end weapon. Well, as versatile as a weapon as there is in this NFL draft in Kyle Pitts. Yeah, it's, oh, that, I mean, that's a hard one. I personally would not be wild about using draft capital to move up just a few spots, basically to jump over somebody that I think was uh, eyeballing pits. Um, to me, what the Mortensen thing says is if pits should happen to be there at 10, that very well could be the card that they turn in. Um, I'm not crazy about them trying to go up after him because I hate to use draft capital that way. That would, that would probably be, you know, like cost them their second rounder. And I covet that second rounder a little bit too much myself. Um, can always throw a future in there. Well, future second rounder, yeah. they win the Super Bowl. That's like a third round pick, right? Yeah, that's possible. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that. I, I tend, when I think about trading, I think about what they're trading this year. So mm-hmm. uh, that just tends to be the way I think. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of, um, uh, using the future picks that way either, but that's just my personal uh, prejudice. Uh, you know, I, I, if they do any trading, I think it would be more likely to see something happen after the first round. You know, the, the, the 10 spot's going to be very interesting this year because there's still people insisting that there could be five quarterbacks gone, which leaves some awfully interesting names. And when you throw in some of the, uh, the high powered uh, wide receivers that are still there that the Cowboys probably would not be looking to grab after having C.D. Lamb fall to them last year. Um, that might just be a spot where you wait and see what comes to you. Uh, that would be my preferred way of approaching it. I don't know uh, that, they're, of course, the Cowboys are going to agree with me, but I just it just seems like you're too set up to have it, – it's almost like, well – you might have to settle for Patrick Sertain, which is like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Throw me in that briar. Oh, pack. twist my arm, please. Yeah, make me. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I just, I, every time you run through the permutations, unless something really gets strange and unlike everybody expects, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because I could see maybe the quarterbacks don't go quite as as hard and heavy as we expect because I just have a hard time believing that if you look at things from a totally objective viewpoint that you've got 
four or five quarterbacks in the draft this year that are worth a top 10 draft pick that the, the, the historical trend just says some of them are not going to be worth what you spend to get them. But teams that don't have quarterbacks have to do something. So this is a very, it's going to be a very interesting fluid and unsettled situation until the names actually start popping up on draft night. So, well, to me, I mean, I think at least in the first three picks, especially after the trades we saw this week in which the Jets got rid of Sam Darnold for a second mm-hmm. rounder, a 2022nd and a 2024th, uh, sorry, 2022 second round mm-hmm. and a 2022 fourth rounder, along with a sixth rounder this year. You know, for a number, former number three overall pick, that's maybe a little light. But that, to me, solidifies that, you know, a quarterback's going one, a quarterback's going two. Based on what San Francisco did to get up to three, a quarterback's probably going three. And then I think that's where the fun begins. I don't think it's a guarantee that Atlanta moves on from Matt Ryan. He's still reasonably priced, and they could still get him some potential help. You definitely don't see Cincinnati going after a quarterback after they just took Joe Burrow. And Miami feels pretty set there with Tua, in my opinion. Now, maybe Detroit, right? Uh, hard to imagine Carolina going after a quarterback at eight when they just swung a deal for Sam Darnold. And then Denver, who, you know, I suppose they could move out of that selection or take a quarterback, but it's hard to imagine them staying there at nine and still taking a quarterback, right? They'd have to be assuming that a quarterback was going to fall to them as opposed to them maybe moving up to make something happen. And then there's, of course, all the teams that could potentially move into those spots and and take a quarterback. But I I think five, I think we're being sold a little bit harder on how Mm -hmm. many of these quarterbacks are going to go than actually are going to go in the first six or seven picks. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I know a lot of people just seem convinced it's going to happen and that there are some teams that are going to trade up to get into the, the, the first nine picks or possibly the first 10 picks because, you know, what happens if, if that quarterback that Bill Belichick really loves is still sitting there and he suddenly gets worried about whether he's going to be able to get to him or not. Um, you know, it's possible that we could see more quarterbacks, but I'm like you. I think we can be pretty sure about three going, but, you know, this talk about five just seems to me a little bit overdone. Then the question becomes, uh, what's going to happen? You've still got wide receivers. You've got the, uh, you know, the offensive linemen, Sewell and Slater, both of whom could be very attractive to the Cowboys. You've got Pitts. You've got Sertain. Um You've got a horn. Um, I mean, there's... you mentioned the wide receivers. You got the Heisman winner and, and Devontae Smith. You have Jamar Chase, who a lot of people think is the best wide receiver in this class, you know, outside of Pitts. You also have Jalen Waddell, who people yeah. think deserves to probably go in the top 10 or maybe amongst the top 10 most talented players in this draft and mm-hmm. an incredibly dangerous slot receiver. So there definitely are going to be names available for the Cowboys at 10. It'll be very fun to see how it shakes out. But I'm with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise trading any draft capital 
to try to move out of their position. I still think they're going to be sitting pretty when they're there and, and have their pick of, of one or two guys that they probably mm-hmm. like and that most Cowboys fans will feel comfortable with. Speaking of Cowboys fans feeling comfortable, it's hard to imagine Cowboys fans seeing themselves being comfortable with seeing this number on this player. And we'll tell you that coming up out of the break. This is Riled Up on the Cowboys on the Blog and the Boys Network with my man Tom Ryle and your boy R-Dub3. Back in a minute. And we're back on Riled Up on the Cowboys Myself, Roy White, my man, Tom Ryle, and Cowboys fans are as riled up as I've heard them be. And it's about a topic that I'm admittedly a little bit surprised to say. The Kansas City Chiefs have made a new rule proposal to allow single-digit numbers to be worn by defensive players and other candidates outside of the previous individuals who were able to wear single digits, and that would be the quarterbacks, punters, and field goal kickers with this new proposal that is expected to pass players like linebackers could wear single digits and wide receivers. Now, one of those positions is looking to get out of a number that Cowboys fans might be familiar with seeing one of these types of players in. We'll get to that in a second, but really the conversation is turned to whether or not Jalen Smith is worthy of wearing the number nine uniform that he wore during his time at Notre Dame. Now, why would Cowboys fans have a problem with that, Tom? Well, because we still have a lot, we still have a lot of homosexuals out there, Um, you know, and there are people that just feel it's too soon. Tony Romo's too beloved that it would be kind of an insult. I and I just got involved in this discussion on Twitter back before I realized it was going to just blow up and just occupy people. It's, you know, typical off season silliness that crops up sometimes. <laughs> and I just put out that I don't really think any number should be completely and forever off limits. You know, um, there are some that perhaps you only give to people that you think are very special, kind of the way they've done with the number 88, which I think you're going to touch on in a minute. Um, you know, uh, yeah, there, there seem to be just a handful of numbers there. They aren't retired. It's just there's an unofficial policy that those numbers don't get handed out to guys on a permanent basis at least. Um, they, they, you know, one of them is 12 uh, in honor of Roger Stallback. Uh, you're not going to see somebody get to wear 22 on the field. Um, and uh, 74 is one that has been one that gets worn during training camp, but whoever has it, if he makes a team, he has to switch to another number because that was Bob Lilly, one of the, the, the original greats of this, of the Cowboys. So yeah, it's uh to me, it was a it was a whole lot of uh, emotion over something that it seemed rather trivial, but at the same time, yeah, I would see the viewpoint that okay, I don't think you've earned the nine quite yet. Maybe you turn in a return a, a really good year, and we could talk about it for twenty twenty two, but. I can see the argument that, yeah, I don't think you should be getting that one. 
and that could be an interesting discussion in the in the locker room. But uh, yeah, I thought that was just it was just amazing how that just went crazy on Twitter the other day. Well, I, I tend to agree with Cowboys fans and your assessment of it. Right, you 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 haven't ascended to that level of beloved status that Tony Romo had, or or at least critical status. Now, I believe also that like that kind of affection for Tony Romo has grown post career, perhaps oh, yeah. for what it's done, what he's done in the booth. But I wonder if Jalen had attempted this shortly after Tony had retired, if Cowboys fans would be as up in arms as they are. Of course, at that time, his star was a little bit more on the rise than it is now where it feels like it's dipping and probably on the downslope of what he's going to be as a Dallas Cowboy. So I agree with fans kind of on the side of that he hasn't done enough, but it is one of those perfect off-season conversations because the next young linebacker that comes in that's drafted in the second round with a first-round pedigree, I don't think Cowboys fans will hesitate at all to give him Tony Romo's jersey, and that's because Tony Romo, for as good as he was and exciting as he was and as beloved as he was, never won anything of any significance. And that's just a fact. That's not a knock yeah. on him. Uh, it's not saying that the teams around him were maybe good enough to do that. Perhaps only one of them ever was. But even still, um, he did not win anything significant. And to me, the numbers that you never touch – have to include guys who did something to that extent. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's out of our hands anyway. That's going to be a – Well, that's know, my that... question. Cowboys fans don't want to see it. The next question is, will he get it? And my answer to that is, if he asks, no one is telling him no in that locker room. Why? Because he has a direct channel to the owner. And if anybody tries to tell him, he's going to sell a couple of sunglasses. He's going to walk into Jerry Jones's office and he's going to say, yo, get this clown out of here. And I think Jerry will probably oblige. I don't know if Jerry would do that. I, I think Jerry might say, no, I don't want to do that to Tony just yet, but <laughs> that's just my guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see that then. I wonder if Jalen pushes the envelope. I wonder if, the Cowboys would really tell him no. Now, they might tell him, hey, you're putting more on yourself, putting potentially more scrutiny and more pressure on yourself by taking on this number, right, by doing this. But that's, I think, as far as it would go. If he decided that is what he wanted to do, I don't think anybody in the Cowboys locker room is stopping him. And, it, I mean, I'll admit I'm a little bit cheering for it because it makes for – a hell of a conversation between Cowboys fans going forward. And so I'm actually it, part, partly rooting for him to, to be hard-headed about this and, and try to push that envelope. The other one – Some men some men just like to see the world burn, don't they? <laughs> Bingo. Boy, that would be a, that would be a swipe uh, up all of our uh, you-know-what. <laughs> yeah, a swipe. That's a good right? one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a swipe – W-I-P-E emphasis on uh, between all of our legs. The other one we get is the news that maybe CeeDee Lamb might want to shed the 88 mantle, if you will, and 
go back to his college number, what he wore at Oklahoma, number two. This one I'm kind of okay with, only because originally I thought he was going to go with number 10. I believe that's what he tweeted out shortly after being drafted. And then it was a conversation between him and, and Jerry that convinced him to wear 88. If he went to number two, I got no issues with that. In fact, I'd kind of like to see another number outside of 88 prove to be one of the best Cowboys receivers we've ever seen. Yeah, it, it would be interesting, though, because, like you said, it was kind of Jerry's idea, right? For him to wear 88 so mm -hmm. how will the owner feel about that you know <laughs> it's i'm you know all stuff that shouldn't matter a hill of beans but uh yeah it, it'll be interesting to see if he he wanted to make a pitch to to wear the number two and in that case well okay uh i don't know what uh how uh the playmaker and des would feel about that but you know we we just see what happens and uh I think Lamb's going to be – he's got a chance to do something special during his career, and we'll just have to see if it plays out. But he's off to an awfully good start for it. Well, uh, that is a note that was made by Mike Clay, who does kind of fantasy projections for, e for ESPN and for all 32 teams. And he wrote this little snippet about the Cowboys' offense that – Again, I know it's fantasy, and, and I know people are engaged in that, but I kind of wanted to read it for you because I think Cowboys fans can take something from it when it comes to what they can be excited about in regards to this offense. The Cowboys rank second in both offensive snaps per game, 69.6, nice. <laughs> and pace of play. 35 and a half seconds between snaps in 2020. And that was Mike McCarthy's first year with the team in a shortened off season where he didn't really have the opportunity to work on the hurry up offense to a lot of extent, the terminology that guys are going to be much more familiar with. So I'm guessing that just based on that in 2021, you might see, the Cowboys lead the league in offensive snaps per game and pace of play in terms of time between sacks. In addition to that, when Dak Prescott was healthy, five starts, the Cowboys offense averaged 3.8 touchdowns per game. During that time, Prescott was the fifth-ranked quarterback in fantasy. Ezekiel Elliott was the third-ranked running back. Amari Cooper was the fifth-ranked wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb was the 11th-ranked wide receiver, and Michael Gallup was the 33rd-ranked wide receiver, which if you're familiar with fantasy, it's kind of top 40 guys are all more than viable, right? Almost every week start type of players. Dalton Schultz, by the way, as an addition here, tight end number 12. So better than middle of the pack, even still during that five stretch of the season that Dak Prescott was healthy. I fully expect – CeeDee Lamb to be able to take an additional jump this season with the full season of Dak Prescott. And I joked about it a little bit last year, but with a full season of Dak Prescott, I do think we're looking at three 1,000-yard receivers. 
I really do believe that if every if all four of them stay healthy and play 16 games, we are looking at three 1,000-yard receivers. Agree or disagree? 17 games. 17. 17 well, now games. it's almost a virtual lock at that point. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that, Tom. Amen. Which, which is going to make it even easier to get to uh, 1,000 yards. Um, it kind of devalues 1,000 yards. So I think you have to look more at uh, yards per game average. You know, you're, you're looking – what you're looking at are, are guys that can put up 75, 80 yards a game uh, on average. And that's going to be your, your level, I think, for a, a really good wide receiver. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's possible the Cowboys could be have three guys that are flirting with that. Um, and I would be, wouldn't at all be surprised to see Jarwin, uh, assuming he stays healthy, uh, chipping in another, you know, 50 yards per game receiving. Yeah. So um, it should be a very potent uh, passing attack, which should help Ezekiel Elliott put up some numbers. Uh, and then if they can get some leads, that'll really help Elliott pad his stats because, you know, most uh, the way it works is that when you get the lead, that's when you start running the ball because you want to control the clock, uh, keep it in your hands longer, not give the other team a chance to catch up, uh, just kind of wear them down. So, yeah, I, I think the offense is not going to be, uh, be much of a problem at all knock on wood here may as long as the injury bug doesn't rear up and just regression to the mean should should help them be healthier uh they got slammed so badly on, on the offensive line last year uh now they hopefully will have their their expected starters back in and ready to go for the start of the season but you know we don't know about that but with the assumption that the health is not going to torpedo them, the offense should really be rolling. And what they just need to do is get a defense that is middle of the pack or better. They don't need to have a top five or top 10 defense to win with the team they have. The defense just needs to be able to get some stops so that the offense can get, get the points on the board and, uh, keep things rolling. So, yeah, I think it would be very exciting. Uh, I think it's going to be very exciting to see if see what they can do because we got glimpses of it. You know, unfortunately, those first, you know, and, and I heard something on the radio today where um, I think it was uh, Berline, Berline the, the guy that used to be a backup uh, with the Cowboys back in the Aitman days, Steve Berline, he, he was saying that, well, yeah, but they were one and three with Dak as a starter. Yeah. That's because they had a, a, a tissue paper defense out there that couldn't stop anything. Um, so that's that, that to me, you know, I think the offense is set and now they just have to make sure they get the defense going. And I think they've already made some signings in free agency that will make parts of the defense more functional. I'm especially uh, intrigued at their, whether they can improve their run defense uh, with uh, uh, Brent Urban. Urban, he he looks like he's a guy that can can help you clog up that middle, and if they can just do that, that might be enough to tip the balance for them. So, yeah. And then well, you know, we've been beating that drum for 
praying for a middle-of-the-road defense for the last three years, and mm-hmm. it seems like they have regressed and taken a step further backwards than we ever even thought possible. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of began three years ago. Two years ago, they were worse. We thought, okay, well, they can't be worse than that. And then 2020 happened. So hopefully we've scraped the bottom of the barrel and we're starting to build back up again. And that is the hope that we will leave you on here on uh, Riled Up with the Cowboys. So next week we will take a further look at some of the draft mocks that are going down and get you shaked up and shipped up and ready to go for the NFL draft that's coming up later on this month. But for Tom Ryle, for myself, Roy White, again, follow us on social media at Tom Ryle BTB and at RW3. Hit us up with your thoughts on the podcast or anything else you'd like us to speak about. And with that, it's Riled Up on a Thursday. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.